Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today is October 5th, 2023, and I'm joined as usual in studio by IPI's resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. And today, Dr. Matthews, we're going to ask the question, are Democrats getting mugged by reality? And uh, we, the story broke, we're, as again, this is, uh, we're recording this on Thursday, October 5th. The story broke l- last evening, I think, that the Biden administration is building the border wall again. Apparently they're going to be uh, putting money into the border wall. I did see a Wall Street Journal article that argued that uh, a part of it was that money had been spent, had been appropriated back in 2019, and it was given a certain amount of time, and if they didn't spend it, something would happen with it, so they had to go ahead and spend it. Uh, but I've never noticed Biden to be that uh, concerned about those kind of rules. Whatever so, excuses they're making now to justify it, it is a dramatic change in policy. Biden ran against the wall. Um, he, he made all sorts of campaign promises about not building a wall and all this sort of stuff. And now all of a sudden now they're, they're, they're continuing to build the wall. So this is sort of the first of, I think, three issues where we want to talk about our Democrats getting mugged by reality with the border crisis. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Clearly, the border crisis is starting to have an effect on the Democratic Party. And, of course, it starts with Democrat elected officials on the border in Texas, Democrat mayors complaining about the problem and the lack of activity by the Biden administration. And we have to give credit to Governor Greg Abbott, who started busing them to New York City, Chicago. I believe they're going to Denver now. They're going to cities in California. And by busing them there, we now see the the mayors of New York City, Chicago, and others saying, this is terrible. We can't afford this. We've got to do something. And they're creating a, there's a, it's created a real problem within some of those large blue cities, which made a point of saying we're sanctuary cities, we're welcoming, we always do, we're, we're welcoming and we help these people out when they come in. Yeah, when, when, when Governor Abbott started doing this, it was just described by people as a political stunt. But I think in retrospect, and I tweeted something out about this the other day, uh, Governor Greg Abbott gets almost exclusive credit, I think, for forcing this issue into the laps of Democrats. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it's not like Texas has been busing people places they didn't want to go. Right. I mean, literally, it's like it's like where where would you like to go? Where do you have relatives? You know, da, 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 you know. Um, So no one's been forced to go somewhere they didn't want to go. In fact, if arguably you were doing them a favor by giving them transportation to the city they wanted to go to. Yes. But. It's perfectly fine to do your moral preening and your sanctuary city this and accusing Texans of being racist for their treatment of migrants. It's very easy to do that when you're not bearing any of the burden and any of the cost. They weren't even huge numbers. I mean, just a few thousand migrants into these cities and all of a sudden they are squealing about the costs and all of the problems. And to be fair, is uh, even though Abbott started this prior to the, uh, I think the 
Arizona governor before he became a Democrat did some as well. Ron DeSantis did so. The uh, the mayors of some of the cities in Texas, El Paso, Mm -hmm. uh, did some of that. But it's interesting because even though you had both Republicans and Democrats doing that and Democrats complaining about this, um, and we have to also mention that Abbott dropped some off in front of Vice President Kamala Harris's oh, yeah. house mm-hmm. in Washington. It has now become a major crisis for those cities, and they're turning around and complaining about it. And what happened today is Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre, the uh, White House spokesperson, was being pressured by uh, the media, which they don't typically do this. Some Fox News people would do it, but not the typical media. But they were pressuring her about, isn't this change in the border wall somehow or the other um, a change in Biden's policies. And she she essentially said, no, the president hasn't changed his position and I need to get back. I need to check yeah, with him and get yeah, back to you on that. She's she's lying is what she's doing. This is a dramatic. This is one of the most dramatic changes in in domestic policy that I can think of oh, in recent history. Completely flip flop. I mean, this is this is a 180. You know, it's it's one thing for Barack Obama to say he did not have the authority to do DACA, but then he turns around and does DACA because you knew all along he wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a case where the 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 press is so bad and it's causing a rift within the Democratic Party. And clearly they decided they have to do something or or at least make it appear like they're doing something. And what's worse is they're apparently setting aside certain environmental restrictions and just putting those on hold because to build the wall, they have to do that. I'm so glad you mentioned this because it's it's like the fine print is that they are issuing waivers on some of the Democrats' most cherished legislation, mm-hmm. you know, environmental protection legislation and things like that, so that they can hurry up and get the wall built. <laughs> it sounds like something Trump would have done, you know? The, the other thing we should say, I think, about, um, I mean, the main thing we're talking about here is the fact that this issue is really disrupting the Democrat consensus, yes. this border issue. And it's a good thing because it is it is a huge problem. And it, it there's no reason why it should be seen as a purely partisan issue. Um, the other thing that we should that we should mention regarding that is that there is no reason why border security is inherently a, a partisan issue. Yeah, absolutely. No matter what your immigration policy is going to be, unless it's just anybody can come across the border anytime they want to. If that's going to be your policy, fine. But if that's not going to be your policy, even if you want to have a very, very generous guest worker program and sanctuary program and all that kind of stuff, you still kind of have to know who's coming across and who isn't. And I think you have to go back to the 90s and early 2000s where Democrats were concerned about the border crisis because they they felt like these were people coming who were taking jobs away from union workers and union workers were concerned about this. Yep. And so they wanted to try to press against that. And I remember I've, I've seen several statements from leading Democrats from a couple of decades ago who said, we've got to get this border under control because it could harm our labor force. Now, whether or not they were right about that, whether it actually harms it, because most of these people don't actually have work permits. Yeah. And we'll, you'll po- I'll point out that the Biden administration is moving to try to increase the work permits going out, especially in New York, so that people can go to work. It's a really good point. That's back when the Democratic Party saw itself as the party of workers. Mm-hmm. But now we've seen that change. Yes. We've seen increasingly the Democratic Party is the party of sort of, you know, left and, and right coast elitists who, again, it, it's like they, they enjoy the moral preening 
you know, about um, letting refugees in and all that sort of stuff, but they don't actually want to have to deal with the actual problem or, or the consequences of the policy choice. And I think we have to say that, that because of what's happened, when you've got millions of people, because they're setting records uh, almost daily on this, or monthly anyway, of people coming across, and when you've got them coming across and they're being transferred all over this, the United States, and there's no way to really uh, deal with these in any kind of timely fashion, at some point you've got to expect that Democrats are going to come up and say, well, look, we've got millions of people here you know, these are good people. We need to go ahead and give them the vote. We need to give make them citizens. And then you've got another crisis coming up because if this had been done in a bipartisan fashion, maybe you could figure out some way to do this. But it's going to it's it's a real problem. It's going to really create it's going to create more intransigence than we have right now on the issue of what do you do with all the people who are here illegally. Just while we're talking about it, I just can't get over what a dramatic change this is. I mean. Early on in the Biden administration, uh, they would tell you with a straight face, the border is under control. Oh, yes, they would. The border is under control. And they wouldn't use the word crisis. Right, exactly. There's no crisis. And the attitude was, it's just Fox News making a big deal out of this. You know, there's not real, there is no border crisis. The border is secure. I I can remember Corrine Jean-Pierre saying the border is secure and people just about laughing. Oh, yeah. At her, you know. So that is the degree of change that we have seen here. Uh, And so, you know. Kudos to those Democrats who are, you know, at least showing a willingness to change their position, right, on on this. Kudos to some of those Democrat mayors who are now saying, okay, we got to do something about this. But they're only doing it because they're being their hand is being forced because they're being because they're being forced to to see with their own eyes the consequences of the policy. Yeah. So that's one area in which Democrats are getting mugged by reality. Another area is crime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there may even be a relationship between oh. having all kind of people streaming across the border and an increase in crime. But speaking of being mugged by reality, yeah. uh, this was the week where Democratic Representative Henry Cuellar from Texas was got his got his car stolen from him at gunpoint. Carjacked at gunpoint in front of his apartment. Carjacked in, DC. in right. Washington. I That's right. And so we've had lots of lots of uh, anecdotal reports about the increase in crime in D.C. about people getting carjacked. That it's organized. That they're having minors do it because mm-hmm. the minors just get released. They don't get put in jail or anything like that. Again, this is another one of these blue city problems where. You've got ideological prosecutors, ideological DAs who have just decided we're just not going to prosecute a bunch of crimes. Right. We're just not going to do it. As if somehow that's not going to encourage more crimes. And so we almost weekly now we see on the news these sma- organized smash and grab campaigns where I don't know how I don't know if, if people are organizing on social media or what. But all of a sudden, 40 or 50 people will show up at a store and they will just ransack the store. Right. And, you know, even if the store is open, uh, there's not enough employees there to do anything about it. They just have to stand back and watch it happen. And in fact, I think it was in Philadelphia here just a week or two ago where there was apparently a convoy of them and they would pull in front of the Apple store. They would all go in, Mm -hmm. smash and grab. And I saw a video of guys coming out saying, look how many iPhones I got. Look how many iPads I got. And then they'd go to the next door and do the smash and grab there. And then the convoy would go to the next door and do the smash and grab there. And ironically, in the in the video of this of people who are bystanders, 
uh, you could hear some of them, uh, and I uh, just simply supporting what was going on. They yep. thought this was great stuff. Yep. You know, when in the seventies, when New York had, when New York City had such serious, serious crime, mm-hmm. uh, I can remember being in New York. Um, I guess it was probably the early eighties, and most most little shops and storefronts had metal bars on the doors and windows, and many of them, they wouldn't let you in until they got to look at you first. And mm-hmm. then they would push a button under the counter and it would unlock the, unlock the door. And of course, the shop owners would be, were accused of being racist, that this was, this was a racist thing you're doing. You're judging people by their appearance before you let them in the store. But they were simply doing it as, as a form of self-defense against just continually getting robbed and and stopping shoplifting and all that sort of thing. So I just add to that and you because I go to New York a couple of times a year mm-hmm. and going into the the grocery stores which are usually small or not big like we have here but they're smaller and things are packed to the ceiling. I look in behind the counter things like deodorant, aspirin, Benadryl, all you know a mm-hmm. number of things that are behind the counter and you can't get to them. And I ask the question, I mean, because when we go to a store in Texas, you can easily, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you walk them down, pick up all those things. Yeah. And I'd ask the question, why, why is deodorant behind the counter? Well, because people will steal it. And you've got, you've got stores that are just pulling out of cities. You've got yes. store chains that are just saying, we're, we're just not going to do it anymore. We're Target, losing too much money. Target recently announced it's closing nine stores. Those stores are in mm-hmm. Portland, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, and other places. And I saw some people from New York complaining about this, uh, saying, you know, I've been here in this area for years. I go to the Target. Uh, I need we need a department store because in New York, you have lots of small mom and pop type of stores. You don't have that many large stores, but the ones that are large department stores are helpful for people. And but and and then they say, well, we don't see that many people stealing in their stuff. But in fact, Target points out people come in with trash bags and they're not going and getting bread for their poor grandmother who's uh, who's starving. They're they're going and loading up on cosmetics and a whole range of things they can turn around and sell on the Internet. And so what happens is retailers start to pull out of these areas and then activists start complaining that the people in those areas don't have access to goods and services. And you and I have done one. I mm-hmm. wrote a piece about this, which we call a food desert. Exactly. And, and, and people have complained about food deserts for years. And this is exacerbating the food desert problem. If these, if these stores close and they've been in many cases, they've been in these areas for years but if they close because they're being robbed, it exacerbates the food desert problem. Complaining, hitting the same activist who said we need to get more grocery stores in these areas. Yep, yep. So I think, uh, not to be too cute, but crime is another big area where Democrats are getting mugged by reality. Yes. And and these, these issues, uh, the out-of-control border, crime, things like that, these are the kinds of issues that voters at some point will just throw up their hands and say, okay, I've had enough of this. I want something changed. Speaking and and, and, and that this, these are the kinds of issues where people will cross party lines and vote for a party they're not accustomed to voting for because of how frustrated they are with the status quo. Maybe. I, I hope you're right, but maybe. But I just saw the video of people in Chicago where the mayor, Brandon Johnson, 
the liberal mayor who wants to, uh, who said we're going to not fight this crime, we're going to give people, we're going to go and work with these people instead of putting them in jail and so forth. They're now taking a park and making that a place where immigrants, which we were already talking about, they're taking the illegal immigrants and putting them in a park. But this is a park where kids play soccer and baseball and other things. And now you have a number of, I've just watched them on television, black people, black residents in this area stepping up and saying, no, you, we don't want these people here. Right. They can create crime. They're they're going around. They don't have any money. We're struggling. And you're taking away the park that our kids go to. And you had some mothers saying, we don't have fathers in the home. We need a place for our kids to be able to go and have something to do. And this is where they were going to the park. And now the park is going to be closed. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's ironic that the very people that Democrats like to think that they're helping are actually the ones who are most disproportionately harmed by these policies. Which has been true in crime mm-hmm. and these uh, these breakout, break-ins from the George Floyd thing. They were going in and, and robbing mm-hmm. stores, oftentimes in areas where ha- there were high minority population and destroying business, minority-owned businesses. So we think Democrats are getting mugged by reality in the area of the border crisis and in the increase in crime. Mm-hmm. And the third area would be the continuing inflation problem. Yes. We thought for a little while that inflation was going away, mm-hmm. uh, but it's proven to be a lot more persistent. Uh, when you take the higher interest rates that are part of trying to get inflation under control, what you have is you have consumers having to deal with not just inflation, but also high interest rates. Yes. It's like a one-two punch. And you have a lot of folks right now who have given up on trying to buy a first home mm-hmm. because of the inflation in housing costs and also uh, the high high mortgage rates. 30-year mortgage rates just hit nearly 8%. Yep, yep. Um, over the past several years in a lot of major American cities, rents have gone up as much as 30%. Mm-hmm. So if you're a if you're a young single earlier in your career or if you are a young a young married couple looking to get into a house, uh, you're you're trapped in a situation where you're, you're having trouble affording your apartment rent. It's become increasingly unrealistic to think that you could afford to go out and buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, because of inflation, people's actual real personal household incomes are actually going down. Right. Because the income has not gone up enough to compensate for inflation. You and I were talking earlier in the office about the increase in strikes and labor actions undoubtedly caused by some of these very same factors where mm-hmm. it's just plain more expensive now than it used to be. What's the solution? One solution is to try to get your income up to sort of compensate for that. So these are three really big areas, the, the border and immigration issue, the increase in crime and the persistence of inflation that seem to be really uh, mugging the Democrat coalition right now. And you you have to think that if if Republicans just nominated boring generic candidates, all of these factors would be acting to the disadvantage of Democrats and to the advantage of Republicans. If a Republican candidate could just breathe, if he was just breathing other than Donald Trump, they'd be doing very, very well against Joe Biden because his numbers, the polling numbers are so low in so many areas added to the health problems that he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, an age, it would be, uh, I think it would be a blowout, but that's not necessarily the case right now with the two leading candidates, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. They're typically, on most polls, they tend to run neck and neck. A few of them have showed Donald Trump leading him significantly, 
but it's got to worry Democrats as being mugged by reality. The election could be another thing that mugs them. I think you and I have before talked about the fact that it just seems impossible to us that Donald Trump would ever be reelected just because of his personality and all the things related to January 6th and all the criminal investigations. But it's increasingly looking possible to me, not because of the strength of Donald Trump, but because of the extreme weakness and vulnerability of Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. I was watching the press conference yesterday where he was talking about the student loan forgiveness, his latest scheme. And at some point I wondered if he was going to get through the press conference. Mm -hmm. I mean, his voice was just so weak. So you've, you've got a person who is physically weak and you've got policies that are just blowing up in Democrats' face. The whole Bidenomics thing has failed utterly from a from a PR standpoint to persuade anybody that the economy is actually doing really well. You know, it's interesting because what might end up saving, if it ends up being Trump versus Biden, what might end up throwing Trump over into the winner's circle could be these low-income areas that are so fed up with Democratic policies. You know, what happened with Trump's problem was he couldn't, he was had trouble with suburban areas, especially suburban women. Uh, but he, he, he actually had some traction with minorities, and especially Hispanics and some blacks. And if the Democratic Party keeps this up, you could end up having Hispanics and blacks being the sort of the saving vote for Donald Trump and putting him in office. Yep, absolutely. So Democrats are getting mugged by reality. I think the answer to that is yes. You know, what is that expression that a neocon was a liberal who got uh, no, mugged? Uh, yeah, a neo neoconservative was a was a liberal who got mugged last night. Okay, we may have some more liberals becoming uh, neocons or cons of some kind or another if this continues. Well, thanks for joining us today. We would invite you to check out our website at ipi.org and sign up there if you'd like to receive notices of all of our new podcast episodes new content, and upcoming events. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You could also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time.